Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Skip Protocol AMA, hosted by Orbital Command. Let's take a listen. Hi guys, this is Rebel DeFi on the Orbital Command account just now. Just waiting on the guys from Skip jumping on. Good to see Thomas, NFT Switch here, and everyone else in the room. Hopefully this is going to be a, an educational discussion about MEV and how we can all, as Luna stakers and possibly stakers of other tokens across the cosmos, can benefit from good MEV, not bad MEV. Just bringing up Dr. Doscoin. And then a couple of guys from Skip will be joining us. Doctor, how are you this evening? Now, I do remember the last space that we were doing. Doctor had an issue with his mic. Um, fingers crossed these issues have been resolved, but we shall await. You're still looking like you're muted just now, Doctor. I think I think we're waiting for Magmar and... Is it Barry? Oh, here we are. Nope. I'm going to bring up... Oh, Zion is here from the Orbital Command. We shall bring him up. And we'll try again with Doctor. Oh, here he is. Here he is. I've hacked the mainframe, sir. It wasn't actually my mic tonight. It was my – the sound was coming out of my phone still. So uh, it was – I had my speak, my headphones in, yet I could hear you coming from my loudspeaker. And I was like, well, that's not ideal. So anyway, I've just, I've just fixed that. As per usual, always a technical glitch to overcome. All right. So we're all here. We've got NT Switch. Just waiting for the guys from Skip to jump on, and then hopefully we can get some more people on as the night progresses. Uh, basically, the format of the evening is we've got the next hour to have a conversation. Um, it'll be a Q&A style for the first sort of – usually it's about half an hour. I think tonight it'll be a bit shorter because I imagine there'll be more questions that will be coming up tonight than usual. And so I'd like to open up to an AMA-style session, wait for about 30, 40 minutes, as long as there's questions there. I know Zion has been – having some communication with the guys at uh, at Skip Protocol recently, and sure, I'm sure he's got some questions of his own. Is that a fair assumption there, Zion? That is true, my good man. Yeah, fantastic. We're not really going to have this discussion because we are talking about MEV, but is there any update while we're waiting um, with regard to Terra Classic, the OC update? No update from us just yet. Um, we should be upgrading our infrastructure on Terra Classic soon. Um, so hopefully we'll get that done either today or tomorrow ahead of when they're looking to push in a couple of days here. Cool. That's answered that question then. Thank you. Fantastic, mate. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll start sort of kicking off. Look, I'll do a little intro for you here. If anyone that's just tuning in now or anyone that tunes in later on a, uh, listen through after it's been recorded, uh, Skip is building an ecosystem aligned MEV pro or MEV products on Cosmos. Um, Barry and Mag are the captains of that ship. Um, 
and they'll be joining us tonight for the next, well, 55 minutes here to run us through everything we need to know about good MEV, bad MEV, um, and what they propose to do over the coming months and years. So with that being said, um, look, how about we just kick it off like this? Mag, tell us a bit about yourself. So just give a quick TLDR about yourself and uh, what we need to know about you, sir. Sure thing. Yeah. Thanks for thanks so much for having me. Um, so my background is mostly in uh, traditional finance. I graduated uh, the degree in computer science. And back in 2016, actually, I co-founded um, a very early NFT marketplace before OpenSea named Scent. Um, you might have heard of them because they sold the Jack Dorsey tweet for 2.8 million at one point, which was a terrible trade as far as I understand for the person who bought it. Um, later we sold for, I don't know, way less than that. But since then I sort of was, you know, exploring the traditional finance world, um, graduated from the Wharton School, and uh, then also went into sort of building products for tech companies once I got bored of that. Um, it's sort of at Atlassian, not maybe you've used Confluence or Jira, but I was working on those products in a, in a product capacity. And sort of over, the, over that period of time, I kept in contact with my good friend from college, Barry, um, who uh, was working also in traditional finance. And we got really excited by this idea of MEV, right? So it's like, you can do so much more than in traditional finance using MEV on chain. It's kind of like the ultimate expression of financial composability on blockchain. You can bundle you know, massive loans to execute multi-stage arbitrages across many different places in a way that's just like unthinkable um, and goes way outside of the, the bounds of possibilities for traditional finance. And we also got interested about like, okay, here's this thing that is native to blockchains, but it's dangerous, right? Like people are abusing this to front run people and to sandwich people and to, to reduce the, the experience of the user, right? If you've ever been sandwiched on a DEX, like those are MEV searchers who are abusing this. And we got invited to a Terra hacker house back in April where we realized, wow, there's, there's no good MEV solution on Cosmos. Um, the way that the mempools were structured is uh, first come, first serve. And therefore, the incentive was to spam and um, base. Oh, here's Barry. He's going to be joining in one second. Um, to, to spam the mempools. Um, and no one got, no, the stakers and the validators didn't share in the rewards of that MEB at all. And so we thought, wait, wait, wait a second, like maybe we can create a new structure, right? Maybe MEV captured can actually be shared with stakers. It can be shared with validators. Um, and it's not insignificant, right? There was over a billion dollars of MEV captured on Ethereum last year. And as Cosmos grows and it all expands, like that's going to be significant for stakers and protocols. That's going to be a new source of revenue for these native tokens. Um, so since then, you know, we've we built our POC, we shipped it, we won the hacker house. And now we've signed up, you know, a number of excellent validators that we consider to be leaders in the space, including Orbital Command, um, to like test pilot this and like how and te test pilot capturing MEV and distributing it back to stakers and the people who actually participate in the chain versus just the searchers um, who were capturing 100% before we came along. Hopefully that's a decent intro. Yeah, fantastic intro there. And just checking, you said that Barry had jumped on. I'm just trying to see which account he's under. He actually just ran to the bathroom, um, so he'll he'll be on in a second, and uh, he'll probably just be joining with me. I'll give him my other AirPod. Gotcha, fantastic. And so, look, you've you've touched on uh, MEV uh, loosely here. Let's just go over the current problems. Obviously, 
uh, there's a reason that you prov- you're providing this solution. Uh, what are the current problems that we're facing? Well, I, actually, before before we get into that, why don't we like set set the stage for people a bit and kind of walk people through, give people a crash course of what exactly is MEV, like what does MEV stand for, and then exactly like how is this taking place on Ethereum today, maybe, um, and then we can kind of dive into the problems that exist around MEV, just so everyone has a frame of reference to kind of move forward in the conversation with. Yes, sounds good. So MEV is, there's, everyone has a different definition for it, it seems, right? But at, at its core, it's basically blockchains aren't instant, right? So when you submit a transaction, it sits somewhere. Oftentimes it sits in a public place called a mempool um, and other people can see your transactions, right? And then they can decide if they want to insert transactions in front, behind, in between to basically capture some kind of opportunity for themselves. So let's say, for example, you're a whale and you bought, you know, um, a million Juno. People are going to see that transaction in the mempool before it gets committed and say, wait a second, I should buy Juno before that one goes through because that's going to push the price up a lot. And in fact, I can sell right afterwards. And then on Ethereum, because you have flashbots, you can actually bundle those transactions. So they get treated as one, which basically means those kind of strategies are riskless. Um, And there's a lot of other opportunity uh, outside of that as well, um, not just with arbitrage, like I was talking about, or sandwiching, but also you know with liquidations, with NFT mints, all kinds of things that people can basically prioritize their transactions somehow to capture some kind of additional revenue. Um, and you know the revenue is not insignificant; it's you know it's it's billions of dollars. Um, and if you don't have a system in place where the people doing that are forced to share that revenue. Um, or encouraged to share that revenue with stakers and validators, then they capture all of it. But in the reality, it's the participants of the chain capturing that uh, or, or creating those opportunities. So our our thesis is they should be the ones also benefiting from them, um, or at least you know it shouldn't it shouldn't just all go there. Uh, but we also have Barry joining us, so I just want to give him a, se- a second to introduce himself. Hey guys, can can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Let me sir. We're, we're sharing a pair of AirPods. So <laughs> I never know how that works. Um, I, just a quick background on myself. Apologies for interrupting. I used to do machine learning research. I spent uh, college and early time after college working on that, thinking about going and getting a PhD. And then I joined a hedge fund and got really into crypto while I was there. And uh, Magnus and I started doing little... MEV searching things on the side, and I tried to convince the hedge fund to to do various trading strategies, and they they didn't want to go near on chain trading, so I jumped ship like five six months ago. Very quickly fell down the cosmos rabbit hole with Magnus. We're just super excited to be here. I think there's like a lot of good that we can help do for the community in collaboration with validators and stakers and traders to to help make sure, as Magnus said, that participants in the chain are actually getting upside in the opportunities that they create. And that money is not just being eaten entirely by traders and, and like AWS, Google Cloud builds, which is the way it works right now. Yeah. So uh, just to go back to the, the question about sort of what the problem is today, um, you guys might have seen like these waves of spam, right? Like on Osmosis, they, they also plague Evmos. Um, and, they, and they, in the past, they, they heavily plagued Terra. 
a lot of that is because of people are trying to go after these opportunities. And because the mempools are structured where it's first in, first out, meaning if you get uh, submitted the fastest, then you'll be the first one in the block. Everyone's like spamming all the nodes to try to basically get in. And because gas costs are so cheap, there's an incentive to do that. What we do is we take all of that competition we move it outside the main uh, mempool so that it doesn't take place on the main chain. We pick the winners, we let them compete off chain and we force them to, into an auction with each other. And then the winners of that get sent back to the validator so that you have just the winners get committed on chain, um, which basically takes all of that mempool spam and load away from the main protocol and then off into a separate place and, and also like basically makes them pay if they want to uh, if they want to get that kind of prioritized execution. But the thing that we don't do um, and how we're different from, let's say, flashbots is we don't allow for what we consider to be toxic MEV. So we don't allow for bundling of uh, strategies that include front running and also sandwiching. Um, so basically any kind of model where you're inserting your transaction before someone else, we don't allow for that. Um, and we've considered that because we don't, we, we consider MEV to be you know, a reality, but it doesn't mean that we have to allow for all forms of it. Uh, we can be selective as Cosmos chains about sort of what we want um, and, and to share the profits there, but without ruining the user experience. Yeah, and I think it's um, just just want to add on to what you said there, um, Magnus, before jumping into, before Dr. jumps into um, his next question, I'm guessing. Um, just so everyone's aware, you know, MEV is something that exists outside of crypto as well. Um, this isn't just a concept specific to our industry. You know, anywhere where there's transaction ordering, um, you know, anywhere where transactions can be ordered, there is uh, MEV. So it's an unavoidable thing. It's not like really something where you're kind of looking at the problem as like, oh, you know, let's just like get rid of the problem entirely. It's really like, how do you learn to create a system where incentives are aligned with MEV? And where, you know, you're potentially avoiding, like Skip is doing here, some of the um, what's known as toxic or bad MEV, which is like front running or sandwiching where it could have uh, negative impact on users of the blockchain. So just wanted to provide that extra context for, for everyone here before we jump into the next question. Yeah, that's super accurate. Yeah. And if, for anyone, that, if you're listening to this and it's still not making complete sense, there are a few... Uh, I think the way that I wrapped my head around it was just understanding that, you know, sinister MEV is essentially, you know, front running and sandwiching, which basically means, you know, someone sets their slippage limit too high, or this is an example of someone sets their slippage limit too high. You know, a bot would see that and sandwich the transaction and make it so that the end user pays the highest price, but the bot keeps the excess. I don't know if yeah. that's completely right, but that's kind of the way that I understand it. Yeah, that's definitely a form of toxic MEV. I mean, it, it might be helpful just to give an example, right? So sure. going back to this example where everyone here is a Juno whale, right? And, and someone submits a transaction for buying a million Juno, which would heavily move the price, right? Um, in the current model, like without skip, so this is the current way most Cosmos chains are structured, a lot of bots and searchers, they're called, will see that and say, I want to back run that, right? I want to put my transaction after that and maybe sell my Juno right after or use it for some kind of arbitrage transaction. And maybe that arbitrage is worth, let's say, $100,000. And that's not unthinkable. That's oftentimes how much these are worth. Um, so in the current model, a bunch of people will go, they'll submit their transactions 
because they don't have a way to compete and get guaranteed execution, they just end up spamming, right? So like they'll send like thousands of transactions in hopes that they get to the right validator at the right time to capture 100% of that arbitrage. So they'll get $100,000 and no one will get anything else. In the updated model with Skip, instead an auction is kicked off. So someone says, all right, I'm willing to pay 10,000 to capture this opportunity. Someone else says, I'm willing to pay 20,000. And they'll eventually bid up until the winner is selected. Let's say the winner pays 80,000. And then that 80,000 goes back to the validator and their stakers. So the validator will take you know, their commission as, as a standard for running you know, their infrastructure. And then the rest would go back to the stakers and be an additional source of revenue for them. Um, and that way you can allow for the, the chain participants to basically take advantage of that and offer basically for rent this thing that is super valuable, which is block execution space, and then also priority, which right now we're not, we're not uh, asking people to pay for that. So I love this. I love what you guys are doing. What it's, yeah, what it's actually doing is it's putting the power back into the hand. Well, not the power, but it's putting the rewards back into the people that are actually um, contributing to the environment or the ecosystem. So the validators, obviously a core part of it, and then the stakers um, and the users themselves that 80, in the example you just gave, that 80,000 is going to the, the validators and the stakers as opposed to some arbitrary, random, third-party leech to the system. That's right, yeah. Yeah. The only, the only thing I'd add there is I don't, I don't think we view searchers as like leeches or necessarily bad. They're doing you know, the same thing that everybody else in crypto and in the world is doing, which is like using their advantages to try to make money. And they're doing it right now in, in the way that makes the most sense for them with the structure of the current market. And the structure of the current market means, you know, they, they'll make a bunch of profit on a trade, but the only way that they win that trade is by spinning up a ton of low latency infrastructure all over the world, spamming chains, uh, harming user experience, and then causing that money to like entirely exit the system. But they do have some positive outcomes as well. You get more transaction stability or you get more price stability. Uh, you get sort of healthier loan markets when loans are liquidated in a timely manner instead of um, staying under collateralized for some number of blocks. So there's there's like benefits to searchers, but what we're trying to do is just give them um, a market structure where um, their incentives are better aligned with the things that the users and the stakers and the validators want. So we can continue to benefit from those things like price stability and healthy loan markets without, um, without some of these negative consequences. Got it. And so on this journey of creating this, what are, you know, what are some of the challenges you've already faced and, and what do you sort of foresee uh, could be potential challenges in the future? Yeah, um, it's definitely been, it, first of all, this is a very tough problem. We're not creating a smart contract. We're not creating, you know, um, like, uh, like your standard, uh, you know, protocol. What we're doing is we're modifying the very core of the chains themselves. So we're shipping new versions of the base base level of all these chains called Tendermint that allow for this new kind of bundling and prioritized execution. Um, and we're getting everyone involved that we can. Validators, um, the, the protocols themselves like Osmosis, Evmos, Juno, etc., and we're and also the community, right? Like we want to be community governed, and we want chains to decide what kind of 
you know, how much the stakers get versus the validators, how much like maybe liquidity providers get. We want chains to decide basically how these distributions take place and what's allowed and what's not allowed on their chain. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely been a technical challenge on the first part. And then also, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that would be affected by this um, and, and should take part in this and at least in the conversation. So making sure that we're, we're, we get everyone's voices and that we're building in a way that's transparent, um, where people trust us, that they know what we're doing. Part of that has been, you know, we're, we're playing on open sourcing most of our code, um, that anything that's run publicly is going to be open sourced. And, uh, you know, so people can take a look and say, okay, you know, this looks good. Like this is safe. And, and getting, you know, the core teams at Tendermint and Interchain and Informal to verify that they're good. Certainly. And speaking of, you know, making sure it's safe as far as the auditing process goes, how's that going? How many audits have you had done? Who's doing, doing the auditing? Yeah. So we're, we're still actively developing the code base. So we haven't called in formal auditors yet. The way we're structuring it is we're doing a lot of rapid internal iteration now. And as that begins to stabilize, we're first going to pull the Interchain Foundation, Informal, um, Sommelier, and some of the other uh, core teams that have contributed to these code bases for a long time, get their feedback on it, iterate with them. And throughout that, we're going to uh, start to iterate with validators as well, start doing code review sessions with a number of different validators getting their input, making sure it works for their systems. And once we've made sure that like people who built Tendermint think it's built in a way that's safe and makes sense, and once you make sure that the people who are running this think it's built in a way that's safe and makes sense, uh, that's when we're going to pull in formal audits. Uh, so it's sort of a three-step process there. Yeah, many, many stages to get to mainnet, all with you know increasing levels of load testing. Um, so that once it gets in mainnet, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty bulletproof. That's the hope. Um, yeah. Sure. And to, to that end, when, when is, uh, when is the forecasted mainnet? Yeah. So, um, we put sort of as our, as like a mark in the sand, like six months, um, you know, it's taken other teams about a year to ship similar protocols on different places, but for us, um, you know, we're, we're making really good progress right now. We've been heads down for the past couple months. Um, you know, we were able to ship our initial POC in four weeks at the hacker house. And now we have a team of six versus two. Um, you know, we've raised a round of funding. We raised about six and a half million dollars um, from really good VCs, including like Gauntlet, you know, Tarun's Chitra's Robot Ventures, Galaxy, Jump, um, and uh, Bain Capital was our lead investor. And so we've, we've received the funding and the support, as well as from individual chains, um, to actually build this out as fast as we can. Um, but we're hoping to get to testnet within the next two months. Um, my dream is that, so we're, we're sponsoring Cosmoverse, if anyone's going to be there, uh, happy to meet in person. Um, but by that time, we could actually maybe show something small in terms of what we've shipped. Uh, but there will be deliverables and things that we're going to be putting out that I think will be really exciting for everyone here to see um, even before that. Um, I can't announce it just yet, but you know, we have dashboards that are going to give um, much more insight into how MEV takes place today. And that's going to be the first time that research has been done. Um, and I think that will be able to be seen a lot sooner than we actually ship the core protocol um, just to you know, keep, keep putting stuff out there. 
Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, in terms of exposure and as you guys build, I mean, getting stuff out there in the community and getting their feedback on it and getting their thoughts, I think is hugely important, especially in crypto when things move so fast and people have very short attention spans. I'm curious, actually, um, regarding that, you know, how do you guys see your competitive landscape shaping up over that six month period? Like, do you guys have any, you know, like one of the things that comes to my mind is, we were just recently talking with the guys from Stride who are launching a liquid staking derivative uh, in Cosmos and right. just, you know, obviously how the LSD environment in Cosmos is heating up pretty quickly with a lot of different, um, you know, startups in that space. I'm curious, like, you know, how do you guys view the competitive environment that you guys are in? And, um, you know, over the next six months, are you guys, is your goal to be the first to market with Skip protocol and this MEV solution, or how do you kind of view that? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, we definitely want to be first to market. I think as compared to the liquid staking teams and the market there and the competition you see, the MEV infrastructure market is a little bit less competitive. And I think the main reason is that there is there is so much non-protocol infrastructure development that we have to do that's really hard and like pretty unsexy that there aren't a lot of teams who look at it and go like, yeah, this is what I want to work on. And in addition to that, like we mostly are going to be a public good, right? Like we may take fees, we may not take fees, but if we do, it'll be to keep the lights on, right? Um, and to run the infrastructure necessarily our position means we have to give um, a massive amount of money back to the community. We want to do that. We're excited about doing that. So I think a lot of people also look at that and they're like, ah, this like, I don't see how we can build a business here. We're trying to be more creative about it, find other ways to monetize later on that aren't core to the infrastructure. But I think a combination of those two things means there's not a lot of folks who really want to work on this. There are a couple of other teams taking different approaches to MEV in Cosmos, uh, I don't know what their progress is or, or what they're, they're planning on shipping. Um, we've heard from one team that is sort of has like a, a different uh, philosophical view of MEV as well, where they want to enable everything, sandwiching, running, you name it. Um, and I think it, there's also like a large ecosystem of people who are thinking about how to incentivize relayers, some by way of MEV, some not. So I don't think we have like a direct head-to-head -head competitor, but fortunately there's like a lot of smart people who are generally in the MEV space, including outside of Cosmos, who we can collaborate with. The Flashbots team is is very friendly, uh, has a lot of really smart researchers there, and we're, we're hoping to uh, work with them. The Geo Labs guys are, are brilliant working in a different ecosystem, but like have a lot of learnings for us too. Uh, and, and we're trying to take like a generally collaborative approach with those relationships. They're still early, uh, but I think like you know, there, there's uh, lots of good reasons for us to be aligned with folks like that. Yeah, like, you know, competition is good for us, um, meaning, you know, we want the right thing to get built here. And the way that we're going about it is like, okay, we're first moving right now. Um, if we built this in a way where we had sandwiching and front running and we took large fees and, you know, we were trying to get rich off of something like this, it's not going to last, right? Someone's going to come in and eventually do what we want to do, which is build a public good version of this where everyone shares, it's open source, um, 
and therefore will beat out later people who come in and, and try to capture more from it. Um, so that's like the, the defensive approach we're taking. And, you know, so far we've been supported, like chains have given us very large and generous grants to build this because they understand that vision. And we've been able to bring in so many great collaborators on the validator side um, that, you know, is, is helping us move faster than we could hope to if we had a different, you know, more profit-minded approach. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hoping that the best sol- we can be the best solution um, and that it can be, you know, because it's so public, it can be iterated on by everyone. And instead of trying to build, you know, a, a, a competitor, you'd instead want to contribute to the core protocol and, and you know, uh, basically improve that instead. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense and appreciate you guys providing the context there in terms of how you guys think about the competitive market. And I, I know you guys mentioned Flashbots there. And for those who are listening, anyone that's interested, um, there was actually just a podcast with um, Stefan from Flashbots that was released on Bankless. If you guys um, have listened to that podcast before, I think it just got released like either today or yesterday or the day before, um, just talking about Flashbots MEV products and kind of if you guys are interested in learning more about just MEV in general and how it occurs on Ethereum, like Flashbots are the you know leading marketplace there for MEV on Ethereum. So it'd be worth listening into that podcast to learn, you know, how do blocks get built on Ethereum and what is the kind of quote unquote MEV supply chain look like on Ethereum. So um, yeah, definitely worth checking that out. Just wanted to mention that real quick. I'll pass it back to you, doctor. Thank you, sir. There's a couple of questions come up during that time. And now I'm just sort of thinking which one's the most pertinent. I just, I want to circle back for two seconds before. So just to uh, prepare people, I'd like you, if you're listening to this now to one, uh, share this conversation. So obviously the best way to get the word out is when people share it. Uh, so if you are enjoying it, do share it. If you have questions or if there's something that's popping up in your mind and you are feeling called to ask it, uh, you are certainly welcome to press the uh, raise hand button and uh, we'll get you up as a speaker. And so in the meantime, as you're pondering your questions, um, my question is around the competition. You said the competition's relatively low because it's not um, in this space, it's not sexy. You know, there's not a lot of it going on, but who are some of your competitors and you know, how, how would you separate yourselves out? What's your point of difference? What's, why, would, why would people choose to implement Skip and not something else? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. So in terms of like another Skip protocol, um, we haven't seen one. Uh, there's no one who seems to be you know, publicly and actively developing a similar solution to what we're doing. Um, I think there are people who are more on the cross-chain side, um, trying to build sort of MEV between chains, which is really interesting and something we want to explore, but we're trying to solve the single chain first, and that's where we have most traction. Um, I would say, though, like, let's say you're a chain, right? Um, and you're deciding, and, you're, and you know that there's MEV on your chain. You're trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I capture this in the best way? You know, one of my options is skip, but then there's other options, right? So you could try to internalize your MEV by like running, let's say, back of the block um, uh, arbitrage transactions, right? So that you can, like the validator itself can sort of run these transactions to internalize MEV. I think this is what um, Kajira is doing, I believe. Um, and, you know, we look at that and we say, okay, that's very interesting. Um, and when we were chatting with Osmosis, that was sort of their uh their feeling was they were like, we want more control over how this is captured. We don't like the off-chain auction structure for our chain. We'd like something that's more um, 
you know, on chain and is, and is like, and it leverages this new ABCI plus plus. And so like, we've been adapting, right? So like our goal isn't, isn't wedded to an individual approach, but is instead wedded to trying to, you know, our vision right now is, you know, make every chain financially sustainable. And MEV is a powerful way to do that. And how it's done is, is sort of like, that's like an implementation detail more. Um, so we're very flexible with, uh, with like chains in terms of how they want to capture it, whether they want to use our, you know, standard traditional off-chain auction, which is what we're deploying most places, or if they want to sort of make some more chain-specific internal uh, capture mechanism that we can help with. Um, like both of those work out for us. So I think it's less about choosing between us and a competitor and more about like, how do you want to do it and, and whether we can help or not um, is, is more what I'm seeing now. Got it. And I did actually just recently watch a, an interview you did with the Friends Validator podcast. And on that, you were saying, obviously, you were in the process of building the team. Are you still looking for members of the team? And if so, what sort of talent are you looking to acquire at the moment? That's a yeah. great question. Go ahead, Barry. Um, so there's a few pieces, and the answer is absolutely. We're definitely still looking to hire. Um, so there is, as as we've discussed, two large components to this. Right there is an off-chain infrastructure that's highly distributed, low latency, um, and needs to be highly available to protect validators from DDoS, ensure traders with good reputation scores are receiving preferential treatment and handle a lot of load. So on that side of it, back-end engineers, people with experience in distributed systems or distributed databases, like folks who've worked at InfluxDB or Google Cloud or at Google or Facebook, that kind of thing would be really valuable to us. The second piece of the, the infrastructure and the software is we have to make a lot of modifications to what are effectively validator nodes to run our auction. And so people who have experience either administrating validators or um, contributing to Cosmos SDK or Tendermint uh, would be valuable there. And the last piece of it is, you know, we're making our own modified validator client that consists of a lot of changes to Tendermint itself. So anyone who's contributed to that code base would be extremely valuable. And then the other piece of it, which is a little bit lower priority right now, but still something that we want to think about is uh, someone who wants to focus on DevRel and business development. So someone who can you know, have a, a conversation with validators, understand their needs, talk to them about why Skip makes sense, help us organize events for validators, help us do our, our presentations and our, our booth at Cosmoverse, as well as someone who can respond to questions that devs and traders might ask when they're integrating with the system. So someone who's, you know, a bit technical, but also can, can um, communicate with a bunch of different kinds of folks. There's a lot of different kinds of people who run validators and you know, they care about different things. And if, if we could find someone who can do both of those things, like that would be fantastic, even if that person's not like technical to the point of writing code. We have a job page as well, jobs.skip.money. Um, so you can you can see everything we're hiring for there in a little bit more detail about what we're looking for. I love it. That's great. Jobs. What was it? Jobs dot skip dot dot money dot money dot money. Okay, there you have it, people. If you're listening, you've got some skills, and this sounds good. These guys are um, on a mission, and they are well, in my opinion, a great team. Very transparent, and I've loved everything uh, that you guys have been. Talking
talking about so far. Just want to check in, Zion. Do you have any current questions uh, ruminating? Um, you know, right now, I, I think it'd be good to give NFT Switch um, the floor if they have a question, because I know we invited them up to speak here. So um, we can pass it over to them if they have a question, and then I'll uh, I'll probably have a question after them. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Uh, good day. Uh, just I uh, wanted to understand. So, so Skip Protocol isn't on any actual chain. It's like runs parallel with it. Is that correct? Like, yeah, it's at the base level. So it's like a layer a, zero almost. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's right. We're not a chain. We don't have a token. Um, and that's in part again to uh, basically like prove, you know, in a real way that we're not out here to, you know, profit. Um, there's no way, you know, to basically like uh, for us to like, you know, sell or, or buy tokens. Um, what we are is, ba- I guess you could just consider us like a, a parallel process or like a plug-in to a chain where we'll, where we basically ship a modified version of Tenderbit. So like, let's say Juno, who we've announced a partnership with, um, they, they will basically, our validators that want to work with us there will substitute out with a, with a very slightly modified version of Tendermint that will enable them to start having this marketplace. And then Skip would become active on that chain and start to allow traders to submit or searchers to submit bundles of transactions um, that would be treated properly by that modified version of Tendermint. And so in that way, we basically can work with any Cosmos chain as, as like a minor modification. Um, and uh, yeah, and any, anything that runs Tendermint. And, you know, Tendermint goes far outside Cosmos too. Like, you know, uh, Polygon runs on Tendermint. Uh, Kronos runs on Tendermint. Even Binance chain, uh, their beacon chain runs on Tendermint. And so like, there's a, there's a, there's a pretty far way that we can expand potentially in the future. Um, but for now, you know, we're, we're a core Cosmos protocol. We want to stay here and build for Cosmos. Um, we're the most bullish in Cosmos of any ecosystem. And uh, yeah, hopefully that helps, helps answer. It does. And how many, what is the minimum amount of validators you need to participate on any given chain to make it go? Yeah. We don't affect consensus anyway, which means we can be on one validator or we can be on all the validators. It doesn't make a difference to the the functioning of the chain or the health of the chain. What is helpful for traders, though, is if we have at least 10 to 20% coverage of the network in terms of the validators we're working with, because that's when it becomes worth their while to integrate. Um, And once we have that and they integrate, then those auctions get competitive and the validators and stakers we're working with start making more money. And then hopefully more validators want to adopt it as a result. And it kind of grows from there. I think you won't see a scenario where Skip is successful on a chain and it has low adoption. And you probably also won't see a scenario where 100% 100% of people are running Skip. Lots of validators are going to have their own concerns that we can't address, or maybe they don't want to touch MEV, whatever it may be. So there's probably most chains that we work with, we'd like to see it around you know, 50 to 90% so we can make sure that validators and stakers are making money off of the auction, but that we're not uh, the only client provider. Yeah, and if you look at Ethereum, when Flashbots came in, you know, they boosted uh, minor rewards by anywhere between 40 to 70%. Um, and so, you know, the, the increase is substantial by capturing this MEV. And although volume is low right now in Cosmos, I mean, we have faith that it will grow. 
And, you know, it basically, we think it's going to be, um, hopefully in the future, like it's going to make a lot of sense, right? Like you're going to want as a validator to offer your stakers and yourself, um, that kind of stepwise increase in the rewards. And as a staker, you're going to want to stake with validators that are healthily capturing MEV and passing it back to you as the staker. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're super excited for the people who've taken the leap of faith. Uh, like Orbital Command with us and to say, you know, like, we're going to give these guys a shot. We're going to help them develop this um, because they see the reason um, for for offering this um, and being a first mover, right? And being a, being a leader in the space of healthy MEV capture. Um, and, you know, from the validators we've chatted to who are, we consider to be the most active, they've understood that too. Um, so, yeah. So I have learned to follow the smart people and follow the money. So if Orbital Command is the first mover, how do we become the second mover? <laughs> well, if you run a validator, uh, definitely give us um, a ping. Like you just reach out to us on Twitter um, or via our website. We have a little uh, contact form that I check every day. Um, and, you know, we could we could definitely get set up in a partnership. Um, and basically right now, you know, we're, we're not super active with like, uh, I would say people outside validators in terms of sharing updates, but we are doing more things like this, which is really great, I think. Um, but with validators, you know, we're, we're sharing our progress. And then, you know, hopefully once we get to testnet, we can start, you know, sharing with the community in terms of how it's going, et cetera. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely give us a ping. Will do. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the questions there, NFT Switch. Um, so yeah, just a quick question for me. So I think it'd be good to kind of outline for people, you know, how the um, kind of MEV supply chain will work on Cosmos versus something like Ethereum. You know, you talked a little bit about bundling um, and how the transactions, you know, are being bundled and then how that fits into what Skip is bringing to market. I think it'd be good um, to outline in this conversation so people can listen back to like, how how is MEV going to work after Skip is implemented on these different chains? Like taking it from, you know, all the way from user submitting a transaction to um, that, tra you know, that transaction being included in a block and added to the chain. Yeah. So, we can break down how it's going to work after like skip v1 and then maybe we can talk about the future and the first thing i'll say is it's a lot simpler than the way ethereum is going to work after proposer builder separation where you have searchers and users and relayers and builders and validators and it's all these different roles um in, in our case it's a little bit simpler initially we Eventually, you know, Cosmos continues to grow, will decentralize probably in a, in a similar direction. But to start, the way it works now is, as Magnus was saying before, you can imagine that a user submits a large uh, Juno, Osmo, Juno to Osmo swap on an Osmosis uh, pool. And that creates a price discrepancy between um, that pool and the price of. Osmo on another pool. So it's an arbitrage opportunity where somebody could then come back afterwards and submit a sequence of swaps that then um, allows them to put Osmo in and take out more Osmo than they've, they've put in. And we, we don't have to get into the, the, the details there, but that opportunity is created by a user submitting transaction. And, and so what happens with Skip 
is searchers, so the, these traders who are looking for arbitrage opportunities, are monitoring the mempools, the unconfirmed transactions that exist in, in full nodes. So they often will run their own full node and they'll stream transactions out of the mempool and they'll look at it and they'll go, oh, okay, when this transaction comes through, what it's going to do is it's going to create a price movement and that's going to create an opportunity for me to risklessly make money if I can guarantee that my transaction, my sequence of swaps will be immediately behind this transaction. So what they'll do then is they'll uh, construct the transaction, that sequence of swaps that they want to send, and then they will send a bundle that consists of the transaction that they found in the mempool, followed by their own transaction to Skip's auction service, along with their tip that basically says, how much am I willing to pay for this? So for example, if they were going to make an $80,000 profit off of the arbitrage, they might say, I'm willing to pay $75,000 to get this on chain. And that's where the next step of it comes in, which is the, the skip auction service, or it could be you know another auction service. And what we do is we look at that transaction bundle that that trader has submitted, as well as every other bundle that traders have submitted for the Osmosis chain for that particular hype. Uh, and we say, okay, who wanted to pay the most? And we simulate all of those bundles of transactions against the previous blocks. What that allows us to do is to, to give the traders the guarantee that either all of the transactions in their bundle will succeed, or we won't send it onto the chain so that they won't have a case where that transaction goes through and then their transaction, the, the first transaction goes through and then their transaction reverts or vice versa. It's like you have this atomicity guarantee. They, they all succeed or none of them succeed. So we do that simulation there. We go, great. This person was willing to pay $75,000. That's the most of anyone who has submitted a bundle for this auction. And then we forward it on to the validator who's proposing the next block. And when we do that, we don't send it everywhere in the network because we want to give that trader privacy. So we send it to the particular validator who's doing the proposal. And then that validator looks at their normal mempool and they look at their skip mempool and they go, okay, is it more profitable for me to include this bundle in the block for me and my stakers or should I just reap transactions from the normal mempool? If they decide that they want to include the, the skip bundle, they put it at the top of the block and then they take the rest of the, their transactions from the normal mempool. And then that gets proposed and added to the chain in the same way that any other block does. So the steps there are users creating opportunities, searchers competing for those opportunities, the skip auction, basically resolving competition using price instead of pure speed, the way it works today. Um, and then validators and stakers profiting off of what we call the auction rebates, which is the, the, um, the tip that won the auction. Does that help break it down? Yeah, absolutely. That was fantastic. I, I think, you know, just the sequencing of, you know, these different steps, I think really helps people visualize like MEV. It helps me visualize, you know, how MEV works on these different blockchains and how it's going to work, you know, how this value is being really tra transferred from uh, users to, you know, the stakers is it's going through this process that you just outlined. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you providing that context there. And we'll pass it over to, I think, Rebel um, from the Orbital Command account might have some questions here for you as well. So 
I'll pass it over to him real quick if he has any. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, Rebel DeFi here. J- just, I just want to get a little bit more specific, if it's all right, just for my smooth brain here. So kind of just following on from that example you were talking about, um, Magmar, so you were saying there's like set, someone's going to pay $75,000 to sort of put their transaction through. Does this then, so, so say you sent this transaction to Orbital Command and we in Orbital Command we're going to propose it. Do, does this $75,000 profit all come to Orbital Command and their delegators? Yes. And that, that's how it works today. Wow. So, so imagine you had like, say, 20 different validators in your sort of set. How would it just be randomly assigned to one of the 20 validators? Yeah. So how Tendermint works today is it's a, it's a leader-led protocol, right? So a validator is chosen, quote unquote, at random. It's not really at random, but no, at random. Um, and then that validator is decided to propose the next block. If that validator is running skip, then they will receive the transactions from the auction as well as the rebate from the auction. And then because they're running skip, they'll know to prioritize it at the top and be able to receive that you know, bundle of uh, tokens and distribute it back to their stakers um, and you know, take their commission on Just it. Just like block rewards. Just like block rewards, exactly. Um, but if they're not a skip validator, then uh, the auction would skip them. Um, no pun intended. Uh, so basically, it would say, you know, okay, you don't know how to uh, understand this auction because you're not running skip. Therefore, we're going to tell all the people who submitted the transactions in the auction, sorry, there's not a skip validator up next. Like, let's wait to see the next block if there is. And then in that case, then it would be submitted to uh, the next validator who is running skip. Um, so basically, if you're the validator that's getting chosen up next and there's this profitable opportunity, this like $75,000 opportunity, then you would be the one to receive it if you're running skip. But if you're not, then you skip out on those rewards. One other thing to add is there is some recent research that's showing that um, if you do some kind of more sophisticated distributions, it can be better for chain security. So uh, one, one proposal that we've seen some people talking about is actually splitting that profit, say 80% goes to the validator who proposes it, so 80% goes to Orbital Command and stakers like block rewards, and then the remaining 20% gets distributed proportionally across the rest of the validators in the chain. Uh, We haven't really looked closely at doing that yet, but I think you could imagine over time, different kinds of distributions would would evolve that uh, might have those kinds of sharing properties. Yeah, like, like smoothing, right? Like the way MEV works today, oftentimes it's like pretty low, pretty low, pretty low, boom, like one big whale transaction that led to a huge opportunity. And then the validator that just was randomly chosen at that time will get everything, right? So in the future, um, that could be split, right? And, and like, instead of just one validator getting everything, um, that could be split over all validators so that everyone who's running Skip can participate. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, would be a fun V2 for us to ship. Cool. That, that definitely helps me and hopefully it's helped people listening. So again, just so I've got a, my head in the right place on this, Orbital Command's like staking commission 
is 5%. So the skip, sort of the rewards we get from skip, are they then, are they distributed using our validator commission? So Orbital Command keeps 5% and then the other 95% distributed to all our delegators. That's the plan for now. Yeah. Um, to basically use the current commission system. Um, in the future, I think we would want to open it up to governance so that people can vote and say, hey, maybe validators should get a little more of this because, you know, um, they're the ones really enabling this and, and sort of respecting this, this prioritization. Um, but that's not really something for us to decide. That's really more for the community to decide how that split takes place. So for now, we're kind of like already, we're like hijacking basically the current um, model of, of fee splits, which is the, the commission. And another thing to note is that like different chains might have different preferences about this that we're going to try to be flexible with. Like, for example, we're talking to one DEX that hasn't launched yet. It's creating their own app chain where they want uh, the MEV rebates, as we're calling them to be split between passive liquidity providers on their uh, pools and validators and stakers. And if that community voted to do that, then that's how we'd make sure the auction ran. As Magnus said, it's not really up to us. We're more of a facilitator. What we want to do is provide the toolkit that allows chains and the communities that power them to decide how they want to best harness their MEV to enhance their community and their user experience. And, and we kind of go hands off from there. For now to ship, like we're going, what's simplest piggybacking off of the existing distribution mechanism. If people don't like that, we'll, we'll be flexible there. Yeah. And the other just quick thing um, that's really cool about Skip is we're planning on supporting a simulation and gas refund endpoint, right? So if you submit a bundle to Skip protocol, and it doesn't have to be MEV stuff. Like regular users can use this to mint NFTs or to, you know, do anything. If they want extra priority and privacy, they can do it. Um, we give gas refunds for failed transactions, right? So that's something that's not allowed on Cosmos otherwise. If you submit a transaction and even if it fails, that all that gas gets burnt, right? So in the future, if you submit through Skip, it will get simulated early. We can say, hey, this one's not going to work out on this block and just give it back to you with all your gas so that it won't get burned in the process. And that creates this kind of risk-free um, version of submitting transactions on Cosmos, which we think is, is gonna be awesome. Especially at, you know, if, if chains get busy and gas gets higher, having that you know, only pay for gas if it gets executed successfully is we think gonna be a big thing for users. I agree, that's a, an, an awesome feature. That's actually the first time I've heard of that one. So. Love that. Three, three minutes. Uh, well, not three minutes. Though. We can go a little bit over time because we started a little later. I'm happy to go an extra sort of five minutes if you guys are. Yeah. Um, one of us is going to hop off just to take another call, but um, I can stay. Sure. Yeah. I, I won't push it too long. Um, so a couple, couple of remaining questions I have before we wrap this up and before we sort of wind down and do all the calls to action, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Juno, you said you were already working with Juno. Which other chains in the Cosmos ecosystem um, have we have we got Skip working with? Yeah, so the Juno partnership has already been announced. Um, also Terra, uh, so Terra Two will be coming too, um, which is maybe the most relevant for this crowd. And then we're in conversations with Osmosis and Evmos. 
Um, and, you know, those conversations have gone well. Um, we've had to, or not had to, but we've worked out a more custom solution for how Osmos wants to run its protocol um, that we think is still incredible. And we're, we're super excited to start working on. Um, but, you know, don't want to speak too soon for, for those two chains, uh, even though we believe Evmos and Osmosis will have um, potentially the most to gain out of this, given sort of the, the spam level, the mempool, and also the amount of MEV that, that exists on those chains. Awesome. And obviously, we've spoken about how this sort of uh, will benefit not only validators, but stakers as well, and the users, um, particularly that last bit as well that you said about the uh, gas refunds. When you look at, you know, MEV value across an entire year as it currently stands and sort of, I guess, forecast what it's going to be like in the next three years, what's, what's, how much are we talking? How much, is, how much is there going to be available in your estimations on Cosmos in MEV over the next few years? That's a great question. Um, so we're doing that research right now, actually. And um, that's going to be one of our first products is sort of announcing that research and giving an interactive dashboard to look into um, for anyone to access. So a lot of the MEV activity that we've seen is, is concentrated on Osmosis for now, just given they have this super active DEX that sort of acts as the DEX of the Cosmos. Um, MEV is highly dependent upon certain kinds of activities, right? So for example, an NFT, NFT marketplace will produce a lot of MEV. Um, a liquidation protocol will produce a ton of MEV, but by far and away, the most MEV is produced by a decentralized exchange or a DEX. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's looking like relatively smaller on Juno and definitely since, you know, Terra 2 is just picking up now, smaller for the time being. But that said, like, you know, everything starts small. And if you don't have the infrastructure in place by the time things become more active, uh, things get out of control. So you saw this on Terra Classic during the DPEG event when there was so much spam because of so many people going after the Luna UST arbitrage and also anchor liquidations that uh, they couldn't even get transactions through. And these mempools had 10,000 transactions in them. They're not small mempools. And, you know, block times were relatively fast. Um, so we want to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen again. People can get their transactions through. We take that spam off the mempool so that we give the chains room to grow. Um, and, 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 you know, room to, to start launching new protocols. I think, you know, Mars is going to be a really interesting MEV opportunity um, because of the liquidations. I think, uh, you know, JunoSwap might pick up in the future. I think these different DEXs that are launching, like, say, uh, will be a super interesting opportunity as well and, and cause a lot of MEV volume. And, you know, like, uh, you know, we see all these protocols in the pipeline and to us, that's just exciting because we, we know that this is going to pick up and that there's going to, there's going to need to be, um, something to capture those opportunities in a healthy way for the chain. Awesome. So it, in terms of hard numbers, just quickly, uh, like osmosis, we've seen this past year, a couple million in MEV revenue. Um, so that will get distributed back to stakers. Um, I think on Juno, we've seen in the hundreds of thousands, um, so smaller. Um, and by the way, these are at current volumes, right, which are heavily depressed. And then Terra 2, it's kind of too early to say, I would say, just because the, the chain is so new and starting up. 
Mm, and when you said a second ago about it being far and away uh, the most is on AMMs, would that mean something like uh, osmosis would uh, have some of the highest MEV available in the Cosmos ecosystem? So far, that's what we've seen. Yeah, osmosis seems to have the highest, um, which means they have the most to gain from implementing a solution that captures MEV. But, you know, I think, I think that's, you know, everyone's going to increase over time. Um, with more volume. Got it. This has been uh, very informative, and obviously I did say I want to keep it sort of under wraps and not extend it too far for you, so I will honour that. What I will say is anyone that's enjoyed this conversation, if you, are, uh, if you aren't already doing so, follow Skip Protocol so that you can keep on top of what they're doing in the future. It's a very exciting uh, and interesting project, and so I will obviously recommend and uh, Skip uh, already in communications, but I'm definitely keeping a keen eye on you guys and what you're up to. Um, any other things that I've missed? Is there any last bits of information that you want to reveal? Anything before we wrap this up today, guys? Uh, on our side, I think, no, it's been super great being here. Um, I hope, I hope everyone here understands a little bit more about MEV and sort of what it is and the differences between good MEV, bad MEV, the different ways it can be captured for, you know, stakers benefit. Um, our lines of communication are super open. Um, you can contact us anytime and one of the founders will get on the phone with you. Um, so, you know, hit us up if you have questions or you know, concerns or anything else. We're, we're happy to answer them. Yeah, fantastic. And for everyone that's listening, we have a few more spaces coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, dates are still being secured, but it looks like we've got some conversations happening with Teak Money. Uh, Deviant's Faction is another one, I believe. We've also got uh, the guys at Hermes and we've got Yield Founder Dow on the way. And one last time for anyone that is looking for job opportunities with Skip Protocol, what's that URL there? It's uh, jobs.skip.money. You heard it here, people. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time, energy, uh, and all of your informative information there. We really appreciate it. We'll be in contact, all right? Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, everyone. Awesome. Take care. And everyone else, don't be a stranger. Come and join us in the Discord, and we'll have a conversation in there. See you, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Skip Protocol AMA and a discussion on good MEV versus bad MEV. Hosted by Orbital Command. Recorded on Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing All aggressive, insane from all directions Smoke rolls in when I start a session Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded
to get into the shit and line them up Just another fixed game of try my love Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.